says I am. I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer and not just a hearer. I am humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. You'll find these words in John chapter 17, verse 4. It says, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Amen? You may be seated. Well, today we're just going to start a little short series that uh, we're going to entitle Jesus Glorified God. Amen? Now, it, most important is up for you to understand that in everything that Jesus did in his ministry, from the time he was baptized and his suffering on the cross, was done to bring glory to God. But my objective in this series is to look at some of the miracles he performed that glorified God and to briefly show us that he glorified God even in his suffering and death on the cross. Amen? Now, now Jesus did not perform miracles uh, to bring attention to himself, but the miraculous work that he done was to give God the glory so that God could be glorified as people saw God moving through him, they would in turn give glory to God. So therefore, as we taught last week, Jesus did all to the glory of God. Amen? All to the glory of God. Go to Matthew chapter 15 real quick. I've got several turns, but I, wanna, I won't be in them long because these are familiar things I'm pretty sure most of you have heard of or read before, but I just want to expound on them briefly. Now, in Matthew chapter 15, this passage, we see Jesus heal a great multitude. And, and God is glorified and he's praised by this multitude because of what Jesus did. Now, Jesus was returning uh, from the region that is known as Tyre and Sidon. But, uh, to the place, you know, if you remember the previously, it was the place where he had healed the Canaanite woman, you know, who, uh, daughter, who uh, was healed because of her mother's great faith. You know, when the disciples said, you know, send her away. And, and you know, Jesus said, you know, it's not right to give the children's bread to dogs, but the woman kept pleading anyway. And as a result, Jesus healed her daughter. And uh, word got out. You know, when Jesus started doing great things in people's lives, word get out. And once the word got out, the devil was a healer in town. You know, he was on his way back home, and someone brought this vast multitude, a crowd of people who had been sick, and they brought them to Jesus. And now based upon where he was, it is believed that these were primarily Gentiles, just like the woman. And what Jesus is demonstrating to us is that he came not just for the Jews, but he came also for Gentiles. God sent him to be the savior of the world, not just for the savior of one particular race of people. And so what we see here in Matthew chapter 15, 29, it says this. It says, Jesus returned to the Sea of Galilee and climbed a hill and sat down. A vast crowd brought to him the people who were lame. Somebody say lame. Brought the lame, the blind, the crippled, and those who could not speak, and many others. They laid them before Jesus, and the Bible says he healed them all. We still see Jesus as our healer today. And whether or not you, you, know, you believe in miracles, you need to start believing them before you need one. And, and it, you don't have nothing to lose by believing that Jesus can be your healer. Amen. Because the miracle is not upon you. It's upon God to pull off the miracle. We just need to have the faith to believe in the miracle. Amen. And so therefore, I tell people all the time, you know, don't wait till you need one to believe for them. But, but I'm, I'm here to tell you, even though he don't answer you, you still got to believe he's able to. And so what we got to see here is they brought all these people to Jesus. They laid them down, and the Bible says he healed them all. Now, when you study his life, he didn't heal everybody everywhere he went. But in this particular incident, he healed them all. And the Bible says the crowd was amazed. Get this, the crowd was amazed. Those who had been a, not been able to speak were talking. The crippled were made well. The lame were walking. And the blind could see again. 
And the Bible said, and they praised the God of Israel. In other words, they glorified God. And some of your Bibles say they glorified God. Now, I, I looked at that and said, well, why would they even have to mention that they was praising the God of Israel? Because if these were all Jews, all they would have had to say was they praised But because this was a mixed crowd, then these people who probably did not have a relationship with the God of Israel, who is our God, then now because of what Jesus did, they praised God. And so what we got to see is that Jesus is still doing these things today that can cause those of us who are not born Jews to give God praise. Amen. And we have an obligation to praise God for, for the things that he's doing in our life as a result of our relationship with Jesus. They praise God. Now look here, I wasn't, wasn't going to read this part, but since it was connected, even though I don't use the word glorified in it, but we're going to see God is glorified because it was this same crowd of people that followed Jesus. And then in the next verses 36, 32 to 38, we see that Jesus had compassion on them, gave them a command, and then Jesus gave thanks for what he had. Now look at this. This is where Jesus feed. The 4,000, that just considering the men, it says, not including the women and children. Now look at this, I'm in verse 32. He says, then Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people. I feel sorry. In other words, Jesus said, I'm having, I feel compassionate for these people. And you know what? Compassion and feeling sorry is similar, but as, in addition to feeling sorry, if you're going to really have compassion, you got to do something about what you're feeling sorry about. It's one thing to say, I feel sorry for someone who's hungry, but it's another thing to have compassion enough to feed them. It's another thing to do what you can to alleviate the suffering of the people that God bring in your life. So it's, it's different when we say, I feel sorry, but let your sorrow be followed up by compassionate action that can help people through their times of trouble. Jesus said, I feel sorry for these. They have been with me these three days, and have eaten nothing. Then he says, I don't want to send them away hungry, or they will faint on their way. Compassion. Now look at this. The disciples reply, where would you get enough food here in the wilderness for such a huge crowd? See, sometimes when you are so concerned about how big the situation is, or big the task is, you fail to take inventory of what you already have. And in this case, they failed to take inventory of what they had and who they was with. They had just seen him perform a miracle by healing all the sick people, and now they forgot they were short-sighted, could not believe that he could feed these folks. It's a shame on us that we can't believe God to be able to do all the things he said he would do, and we can only accept some of the things he said he's going to do. But it's even worse when we're short-sighted, we forget what he's done for us last year, and then all of a sudden now something comes up this year, and we don't even look back and say, hey, I done been here before. I got to realize who I'm with. I got to take inventory of what I have before I start complaining. We start complaining too quick and never take inventory of what we already already have. So the disciples say, you know, where are we going to find enough food in the wilderness to feed such a huge crowd? Jesus asked the question, how much bread do you have? You know, Anthony, you always with me, man. You know, before you go running outside the house looking for something, take an inventory of what you got. I mean, you may have enough left on your, in your cupboard for another meal or two, but you're crying because you don't you know what you want. And so because you don't have what you want, don't allow that to keep you from taking inventory of what you do have. Because what you have may be enough to solve your problem. Sometimes we miss our blessing looking for what we want instead of taking inventory of what we have. He says, how much bread do you have? They replied, seven loaves and a few fish. Then look what Jesus said, Jesus' command. Jesus told all the people, sit down on the ground. Now, you know, you got to have the faith to follow his command. Because if you're in a crowd of 
4,000 people plus women and children, your mindset would be thinking, well, why are you going to make us sit down? The catering showed up. And, you know, ain't nobody brought no big sacrifice out here. All I see is a couple of baskets over there, and these dudes say they ain't got but some loaves and a few fish. And he got a nerve to tell us to sit down on the ground. And, and see, what I'm trying to tell you, when it comes to faith, it ain't time for you to be thinking. You ain't supposed to outthink your faith and try to figure out well, what, he, what he got me sitting down with. You just follow the instruction. Sometimes all we need to do is follow the instruction of what God's words say, and our blessing is at the end of following the instruction. Sometimes we just, we just argue with God, and we don't want to believe what he say. We don't want to sit down on the ground. I know you're too fine, and you got too fine of clothes on, and you look too good to sit down on the ground, but at the end of the day, you're still hungry. You ain't got nothing better to do, so they, but he said, just sit down on the. Look what he says here, verse 36. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish. Thank God for them. In other words, he blessed them. Took what he had, offered it up to God and blessed it. And then once he did that, it was up to God to pull off the miracle. Because all I need to do is what God told me to do is to give him thanks for what I got. And then once I give him thanks, it's up to him to pull off the miracle. This ought to make all of us want to give God thanks every time we sit down to eat. You know, whether you just got some sardine and crackers, you ought to give God thanks. Whether you eat potted meat out of a can, <laughs> you ought to give God some thanks. If you are able to sit down, if you ain't got nothing but a piece of bread and some water, you ought to give Jesus took what he had and he gave God thanks for them. Didn't curse them. Didn't say, this ain't enough. I don't know how we're going to make it. Got all these mouths to feed? No. Bless what you got. And believe that God's going to fill them bellies up. You just got to believe that when God is in the, in, in the miracle working business, you got to believe that he can still work one in your life. Look, he said, now look. He says, he said, told the people to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, gave thanks for them, and broke them into pieces. He gave them to the disciples who distributed the food to the crowd. Now look what happens after Jesus gave thanks. Then all ate as much as they. Good God Almighty, they must have went to a banquet, you know, a buffet somewhere. They ate as much as they. See, if you go to these fine restaurants, you can't eat as much as you want. You eat as much as you can pay for. Because one plate only comes with so much. That's why a lot of us hang around at buffets, because we can eat as, we can eat as much as we It ain't nothing wrong with it. Jesus lay out a buffet for you. You ought to eat as much as you. When God want to bless you, you ought to just take everything that he want to give you and take as much as you want when he tells you. They ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up seven large baskets of, somebody say leftovers. You know, leftovers is a good thing. You know, in the old days, we used to look down on leftovers. You know when mom and them used to cook on Sunday, it was the big meal, and you know, on Tuesday, you still eating off Sunday. Nowadays, our folks rather go out and, and, and go to Grubhub or somewhere before they eat leftovers. You know, I, I see this at my house right now. I got a refrigerator full of leftovers. Nobody likes to take the time to deal with leftovers. But look here, the same ingredients is in that leftover that was in it when it was cooked yesterday. And, and see, I don't have no problem with you just going out, but don't waste the left. Don't, don't waste God's blessing. God done blessed you enough to have some leftovers, and now you're throwing the leftovers in the... That wasn't in my notes. I don't know who needs to hear that, but that wasn't in my notes. But I'm just tired of seeing people wasting leftovers. God done bless you enough to have leftovers, and you would rather throw the leftovers away so you can go get you a fresh plate when there wasn't nothing wrong with the leftovers. They took the leftovers because they were going to use them later. And so what I'm trying to tell you, leftovers have a purpose in your life. God has said, hey, look, you don't have to worry about cooking tomorrow. All you got to do is warm up because you got some. 
The microwave ought to be used for leftovers instead of your primary meals and cooking. Because of the microwave, we have forgot how to cook so that we can have. So they had leftovers. Verse 38 says, there were 4,000 men who were fed that day in addition to all the women and children. In other words, Jesus had performed a miracle and God performed that miracle and as a result of that, the people were blessed and they glorified God. Amen? Let's go to the book of Luke real quick. Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. Here we see Jesus healing a woman with the spirit of infirmity. Somebody say infirmity. In other words, this woman has something that was causing her to be weak, frail, and deficient in some area of her life. It was a debilitating sickness that had her bound. Bible we're going to see here say for about 18 years. But Jesus healed her, and as he healed her, she glorified God. Jesus honored God by healing her, and she glorified God by praising him for her deliverance. In this, I want you to see that liberation that leads to the glory, liberation that leads to the glorification of God. In other words, I want you to see this woman was liberated, and as a result of being set free, she had nothing better to do than to praise. And so what I'm trying to see, you know, Bishop Jakes made a whole ministry off this passage of scripture right here. Amen. Some of y'all don't been there back in the late, late 90s, early 2000s, when y'all need to get loose. And he looked at this passage of scripture, and the Lord gave him a revelation. Woman, thou art. Adrian, you're too young. I know you don't remember that. You, you, you know, you may be too young, but some of us, don't, they don't been to the conference. They probably still got some of the loose t-shirts. Amen. Ain't nothing wrong with that. And, and my thing is, if the conference set you free, you ought to be liberated today if you're still living. Amen. And so, so what I'm trying to tell you, in this little powerful passage of scripture here, we see Jesus now was doing one thing, but a need arose, and he changed his emphasis from teaching to healing. Look at this. Now I'm in verse 10 of Luke chapter 13. He says, now he was teaching in one of the synagogues. So one of the synagogues means he was not at the temple. So he probably in a little community church somewhere. And it was on the Sabbath. And behold, somebody say behold. Look around, and there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and couldn't in no way raise herself up. Now look at you. What you've got to see in this, man, this woman had to have some degree of faith and some degree of hope to keep coming to church for 18 years. Still having the faith to believe that God was able and the hope to make her get out to bed every Sunday, or every Sabbath, or however often she went. And see, sometimes we give up on God after two weeks of prayer. And this woman was dealing with it. I'm sure people talking about her when she walked in the church, you know. She keep coming here, keep going to the altar, keep lifting up her arms, keep doing all these things. And the Lord ain't moved yet. Some people would get discouraged, but for 18 yeah. And even if he don't move, whatever he do, I'm going to be all right as long as he keep giving me the ability to go every week, to go and worship him, to go and praise him. And look here, don't let your situation hinder you from giving God praise, praise him in the midst of your situation. You don't know when God's going to move in your life. So don't you give up hope. Don't you stop hoping. Don't you give up your faith and throw it away. You continue to have hope because hope is based on a future expectation that God's going to do for you. We have this hope when it comes to the resurrection and this hope when it comes to heaven. We have this future expectation that one day we're going to be with our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So this woman had this hope. 18 years. You know, people come to church and they come with various degrees of issues. Some been coming to church looking for this and looking for that and what they've been looking for ain't show up yet. I remember when folk were coming to church looking for Boaz, hoping, or looking for Ruth, hoping, and he didn't, she didn't show up, and then they stopped coming. What I'm trying to tell you is that if they don't show up, you still keep 
You may have been coming to church and you've been having an ailment in your body, but you keep coming. Don't you stop because you don't feel like God has moved in your timetable. You just keep coming. And I'm going to encourage some of y'all today, I want you to just keep coming. Even in the midst of what we're going through and the times we're living in, you just need to keep coming. You got to keep holding on to your faith and keep hoping that God is able to do what he says he's going to do. And don't let people talk you out of your faith and out of your hope. I'm pretty sure this woman could have gave up. I'm pretty sure she could have said, I don't went to church one too many times. I never got the results that I'm looking for, but I was here at the right time and the right place and the right preacher was doing the preaching today. I, I, I have been coming, but the wrong person may have been delivering the word. I've been coming, but I, I met the master today, the one that has the power to heal, the one that has the power to deliver. I met the right one today. 18 years. Bent over. Could not raise herself up. Y'all can get a picture of that. I mean, you know, the Bible is very graphic there. You know, 18 years walking in a condition where you could not stand up straight. In other words, this, this word talking about, you know, this infirmity of being bent over talks about a situation of being weighed down. Something that's riding your back all the time. You just can't shake it. You just can't get rid of it. But Jesus came to loose you and set you free. He came to set the captives free. He came to take those burdens off of you so that you can stand up straight again. And what I'm trying to tell you, Everybody that come to church ain't dealing with a physical ailment. Some of that ailments that's weighing up down ain't got nothing to do with their physical body. They walking straight up, but in their spirit, they... Yeah, yeah, their feet ain't hurt, their head ain't hurt, and their back ain't hurt. They're walking straight up, but they still burdened down with things that they've been carrying around for eight. 18 years. 18 years of holding on to what somebody did to you. Eight. 18 years of what happened to you when you were a child. 18 years. Why are you still walking around that with that for 18 years? You can't do nothing about what happened to you back then, but you can do something about your situation now. You just need to keep showing up where the master is. 18. 18 years. Could not stand up. Couldn't shake what she was going through for 18 years. And I know people right now are trying to shake stuff that happened to them. 18 years ago. You got to be able to let the Lord free you up. And what I want you to see here is that Jesus was in there to teach, but in the midst of his teaching, he saw a need. And look what he says. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to himself and said to her, woman, you are loose from your infirmity. Then he laid hands on her, and immediately she was made straight. And what did she do? That's the least she could do, is to give God some glory. That's the, that's the proper response. When God has set you free from something, when God has set you free from the bondage of sin or whatever it is that's holding you down, whatever it is that's keeping you from serving him freely, when God has set you free, the least thing you can do is just Give him some praise. The least thing you can do is just give him some glory. The least thing, if nothing else, we ought to just give him some glory for him giving us another day on this side of earth. We ought to say, God, I thank you because there are a lot of people that didn't wake up this morning, but we're here, God. We're not going to take this time for granted. We're going to give you thanks. The woman glorified God, and I'm pretty sure as she glorified God, her testimony of what God had done for her caused others to glorify. Because I'm pretty sure there have been people talking about her. Ain't that the one who's been tied up and bound up, walking like this, you know, for 18 years? And all of a sudden now she's walking upright. All of a sudden now she got a testimony telling everybody what the Lord had done for her. And I'm trying to tell you today, you got that too. You got your testimony to how God set you free because of Jesus. And somebody needs to hear you glorify God with your liberation testimony. What has God liberated you from? What did he deliver you from? Whatever you, you know, don't look at this as just a woman's physical ailment. Some of us stayed out there in sin, bound up for years. 
I mean, we were just bound up in it, just doing it, thinking that we were doing what was right. I mean, for 28 years, just bound up in it. Didn't even realize how you was living below your privileges, but one day you got a revelation of who Jesus Christ is, and he set you free, and you could walk away from some of the things that have been bound, holding you back, oppressing you, keeping you down. You don't deserve to be a child of God and live below your privileges. God sent Jesus to do some miraculous things in our lives, starting with salvation. And beyond that, we got to believe that he can do anything that this word promised us. And we got to hold on to that. Hold on to that. The woman gave God the glory. We owe him the glory. Now go to my last term. Luke chapter... Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. When I read chapter 17, I'll read into your hearing probably, uh, let's say nine, 11 through 19. Here in this passage, we see Jesus at work glorifying God by cleansing, somebody say 10 lepers. 10 lepers. And out of the 10 that he healed. Out of the ten that he cleansed, only one came back and gave him the glory. Only one came back and said, thank you. And so, you know, as I think about this, I, I say if that's a percentage we're working with, does that mean that only 10% of the people that the Lord blessed, that the Lord healed, that the Lord set free, only 10% of them going to have enough within them to come back and say, thank you. You know we cry out loud when we need him. But then when he come through, we forget to tell him. It's easy to cry out in your misery when you're going through, been going through. And sometimes when you get in misery, you can be in company with folks you don't even like because you're all in the same miserable situation. And what I got to get you to see is that when these folk was in misery together, they forgot that they were Jews and Gentiles. They forgot that the Samaritan was a low-down race of people that they thought was ungodly and half-breed. But because they were all miserable, they knew that they needed a Savior. They knew that they needed some help. And so therefore, when they was in their misery, they cried out to God in unison for mercy. Somebody say in unison. You know, crying out for unison. You know, that's how when they say the choir, Fabian, you know, you're singing unison, you sing, you sound in one voice, everybody as a unit saying the same thing. And we find these 10 lepers crying out in unison. Lord, have mercy on us. Look at this. Verse 11 says, Jesus continued toward Jerusalem. And he reached the border. Somebody say the border. You know, a border is a dividing line. Normally between countries, states, counties, or cities. You know, they got a border. You know, when I go to Alabama to see my dentist, you know, there's a line that I go through to let me know I'm leaving Florida, but now I'm in the ver on the verge of coming to Alabama. And when you live on a border town, a lot of times people live in one county, they go back and forth often. You know, I may not like them Alabamians, but because I got a need over there, I go across the border and I know some people in Alabama. Because I live on the, that's the way it is in America. We got a border with the north, we don't talk about, but we worry about our southern border. But there are some people who live down there in those border towns, they are accustomed to dealing with Mexicans every day because they go back and they go over there to buy cheap goods in Mexico, and the Mexicans come over to America, get their service and goods, and they go back home every day. They're in a border town. See, when people in border town, they will mingle across race, creed, colors, and nationalities because they live on the border. I don't know when I might need the other guy on the other side of the border because the rest of my people like me, they live miles and miles away. They live in North Texas. By the time they can get here, I may be I lost my mind. But I got this guy that's living right here on the 
border that may be able to help. So, so this was a border town, and, and, and Jesus was in, on the border between Galilee and Samaria. Somebody said Samaria. Y'all know the story. When Jesus went in John chapter 4, he met the woman from Samaria at the well. You know, part of this group that nobody liked. She was shocked that he would take the time to talk to her, tell her all about herself. And what I'm trying to tell you, Jesus had a way of letting us know that his mission was bigger than race, creed, color, national origin. He was here to save everybody, regardless of whether you're a Samaritan or a Jew. But whether you're a Samaritan or a Jew, he still wants you to come back and tell God, thank you. He reached the border between Galilee and Samaria, a border town. And look here, as he entered a village, there, ten lepers stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. That sounds like a choir singing together, don't it? They didn't say, have mercy on me, but later me say, have mercy on. We got the same miserable state that we're in, and look here, we're going to cry out together in unison. Ten stood at a distance. See, a leper could get but so close to people. You know, some say it had to be 100 paces or whatever. So in this case, Jesus couldn't even get close enough because the lepers had to declare unclean. You know, if you had lepers and you were either in a colony, but if you started to come to mingle with people, you had to shout out, un leprosy, or the dreaded disease that was very contagious. And, and if you were a leper, you were an outcast. You was put out of the camp. You had to live outside the village. You had to live separated. So these ten lepers in the same situation, the same circumstance, in the same miserable condition, and they cried out in unison. Standing at a distance, Jesus, Master. Why Master? You know, why, why just Jesus have mercy? But Jesus, Master. You know, I, I say Master because I realize your power and authority. And I realize that you have the power and you have the authority to do what I'm asking you to do. You have the power to have mercy. On a, some may say we need justice, but right now, God, we are crying out to you for mercy. Lord, have mercy. There are people in times we live in just need some mercy right now. And sometimes you may be that vehicle to show God's mercy to someone who's crying out. Have mercy on us crying out to Jesus, have mercy on us. At a distance. Couldn't get close enough, but just crying. And let me know when I read on that, you know, Jesus don't need to get right next to you to heal you. He, he don't need to get right next to you to give you the instruction that you need that can deliver you from what you're going through. Now look at this, what he says now in verse 14, I see that walk by faith. He says, Jesus, he looked at them and said, go, show yourself to the priest. Look at this. He gave them a command from a distance. He didn't have to lay hands on them to heal them. They were healed not because of him laying on hand. They were healed because they had the faith to go and follow his instruction. And see, the Bible lets us know. He says, now he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And the Bible said, as they went, somebody say, as they went, as they went. They were cleansed of their leper. In other words, after they followed the instruction, not knowing what was going to happen, they just heard him say, go. They didn't wait to see. They didn't try to figure it out. He just said, go, show yourself to the priest. Because in order to be declared clean, you had to go and get a certification from the priest. So he said, go and get your certification. Go and show yourself. They could have stood there and said, well, why don't you come lay hands on him and touch him? No, I, I told you to just Go. You ain't the laying hands on kind. I did that last time with somebody. But to you, I just want to say, I just want to see, can you follow simple instructions? Can you just go and do what I'm telling you to do? And as you go, your miracles start to happen. It, it happens on the way. When they started going, God started moving. And that's what faith is all about. When you start moving, God has already made preparation for you. He's just waiting on you to go. As they went, as they went, you standing here, ain't nothing happening. 
You're going to still have lepers if you just keep standing here. But it's only as you go that things start changing in your life. And some of you have been standing around too long, and God may be telling you it's time for you to just... As they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Now look at this. Verse 15 and 16. I want you to see the gratitude of one. Didn't we just get through singing a song, just be that one? Glorify, just be that one? And that's what I want to challenge you today. You be that one. Be that one. Don't worry about everybody else. You just be that one. You cried out in unison, but it may be time for you to sing a solo. Be that But if we can get enough soloists in here together, we can get back into unison. But somebody got to be that. Look at this, verse 15 says, one of them, somebody say one of them. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He, He was walking and all of a sudden I looked at my hand. And I didn't see this white stuff all over my body. You know, some of the old folks, I looked at my feet, and they looked new too. <laughs> but on his way, he realized that something is happening to me, and I got to go back and give thanks to the one who healed me. But, but everybody else, the other nine, they just looked at it and said, well, praise the Lord. They kept on going. I ain't got time to go back. I got other things to do. He done blessed me now. I done forgot about it. But when I was crying and unison. When I needed mercy, I was crying, but now that God has delivered me, I'm too stuck up to go back and tell him. Somebody say they may have been privileged because they thought that they was Jews. We don't need to tell them things. You know, he came for us anyway, so therefore, sometimes when you feel like you're privileged, you don't have to tell folk. When you feel like you're privileged, you don't have to tell folks that you. You think, hey, I deserve that. It was supposed to happen to me. But I'm telling you, whether you're privileged or not, God expects you to tell him. He expects you to come back and say thank you. And I challenge you to just say, be that one. Be that one. If he's done anything in your life, you ought to be that one. If he's touched any of your children, you ought to be that one. If he's delivered you from any addiction, behavior, habit, you ought to be that be that one. Saw that he was here, came back shouting, praise God. Praise God. Well, I don't know where God has healed you from, but you do. But I, one thing I do know we all got healed from is that was sin. Jesus died to heal us from sin. So if ain't nothing else we can give him praise for, we can give us praise for delivering us from the bondage of sin. I think right now it's time for us to be that one. Just just be that one right now to give God some praise for delivering you, for setting you free, from bringing you out of darkness into the marvelous light. You ought to be that one. He he may have saved 10,000 people when he saved you, but you be that one to go back and say, God, I thank you for saving me. I thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sin. I thank you. I will be that one. I will be that one. I'm not going to take it for granted that he would have died for me anyway. I'm just going to come back and tell you. He may have died for me anyway, but I'm still going to come back and tell you. I'm going to be that one. I'm going to be that one. I'm going to be the one that come back and humble myself before him and say, show him some gratitude to just tell him thank you. Praising him just by telling him thank you. The Bible says he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. And the Bible go out of his way to say, this man was a Samaritan. So by implication, that means to me that the other nine were not. It's a good possibility that on that border town, the other nine were Jews. But because they were in a similar circumstance, they all came together to cry out for mercy. But once the Lord delivered them, when it was time to go back and tell him, thank you, only one came back. And the Bible said he was a Samaritan. He could have just stopped right there. 
He didn't have to go out of his way. The Spirit didn't have to go out of his way to say, to let me know that he was a Samaritan. He could have just said just one came. But the Bible says this man was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked some rhetorical question. Question that he already knew the answer to. Just question to hold a conversation. And in these questions, we can find out how Jesus thought about what happened. You know, Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Well, the, the one said, yes, you did. You know that. You counted before they left. You know how many you healed, so you know the answer to that. Then he asked another question. Well, where are the, the other nine? Man, I tell you what, you know, back in the old days, we'll take a text right there and go this nine-to-one ratio, and you'll talk 10%, and connect that to tithes, and connect that to giving your life to Christ, connect that to everything, that 10%. Are you in that 10%? But Jesus asked the question. Bolden asked the question. Jesus said, hey, where are the other nine? I, I delivered 10, but did but one come back? So I got a question, where are the other nine? Some may try to make excuse for where they just went on to the temple and showed themselves to the priest and called it a day. But they should have had enough decency to come back and say, thank you, since I got healed on the way. I didn't get to the temple and discover that I didn't have leprosy. I got healed on the I had time to go back and tell the one who healed me and still make it to the temple on time to get my certification. But sometimes when we got an ailment in our body, we cry out loud and often. And Adrian, we get on the prayer line. And we want people to be praying, all of us, from 815 to 830 or 830 to 945 or 8 to 815 in unison. Everybody pray. But then sometimes people don't have the decency to call back and say, thank you. Thank, let, God, let the world know that God healed me. Let the world know that God delivered me. Let the world know that God set me free. I, I had enough within me to get my name on the list, but do I have enough to give testimony to what happened after my name was put on the list. So we got to start not only putting names on the list, but people got to start telling God thank you through their praise. Riff. Telling God thank you. Now look at this. Jesus said this. After he had asked those two questions, he finished it off with another question. Has no one returned to give glory to God Except this, this foreigner. All my people who God sent me to in the first place, they was my first assignment. I came for them. But none of them had enough sense to come back and tell me thank you. But when it comes to receiving thanks, I receive it from a foreigner. And you know, in a strict sense of the word, y'all all foreigners. Amen. Y'all might want to say amen. Amen. If you weren't born in a Jewish family, you don't have Jewish ties, and you can't tie your name all the way back to Abraham physically through one of those tribes, then guess what? You're a foreigner. And so Jesus saved you as a foreigner. Now, we foreigners got to have enough sense to tell God thank you. Amen. Even if the ones who he came for first don't say thank you, we foreigners. You know, it'll be nice for Jesus to single us out right there in that passage. You know, said, you know, Latham came back to say, Beth came back to say, Mother Evelyn came back to say, even though they were foreigners, they came back to say, I came for them just like I came for the Jews. And so I'm so glad, and I acknowledge the fact that Keisha came back to say, one came back 
to say thank you. And he was a, it's good in this passage to be a father. Amen. It's good for foreigners to give thanks to God. And so look at this, the last part, verse 19. This is how I know it was a faith transaction because Jesus come and give us the answer to when they started walking, things started happening. He says, and Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. It was because you had the faith to follow my instructions without wavering, you've been healed. And it's the same way when it comes to our salvation. It is by faith in Jesus Christ that we are saved. When we have the faith to accept this word and the gospel of Jesus Christ as our way back to God, when we have that type of faith, we can be saved. And those of you here today, I'm believing that the majority of you are saved. Maybe all of you are saved, but then there are some people out there that you know and I know, in the time that we're living in, they need to know who Jesus are, who Jesus is. And as a result of us knowing, we have an obligation to go and share with them what Jesus did for us. And in doing so, we got to hope that some of them will give their life to the Lord. And then they will come and join this choir of believers, and we can in unison give God thanks. We can in unison tell him thank you. Don't, don't cry out in unison when you're miserable. Because they tell you in the world, misery love. But bring that same company when you get your deliverance. Make sure that you all come together and give God the. And if we could be that one, I said to you earlier, if we could be that one, can you imagine of all of us that one and everybody that's a member of Thrive and online to be that one? And we just all did our part to tell God, thank you. The world would see us operating in unison. And as a result, we would get their attention. The world is looking for the church to stand up in these times that we're living in to operate in unison. But because we cannot operate in unison, it diminished the power of God in the earth. So the body of striving... We got to operate. You know, these are tough times we're living in now. With COVID going on, the, 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 the divisions that we have in our country, man, we need to be in unison, believing that God can do some things to turn this nation around and to deliver us from this plague that we're under. But we can't get there if we who believe won't tell God, thank you. We got to tell him thank you for keeping us another week, for keeping us another day, for sustaining us. In the midst of the pains that we're going through in our bodies, in the midst of the sorrow that we have in our lives, we still owe God thanks. We got to learn how to bless the Lord at all times. And his praise should continually be in our mouth. Amen? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise if you will. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Let's give him a hand clap in unison right now. Hallelujah. If you're viewing with us online, you can just clap in unison. Hallelujah. And tell him thank you. Thank you, God, for saving us. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for us. And God, we give you thanks on today. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Got several appeals for you. My first appeal is for salvation. If you're here and you've not made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, we want to extend the invitation to you to accept him now. He came just like he came for these foreigners. He came for you. He came for me. He came for all mankind. He did not come just for one race of people, but he came for everybody who would believe that he was the son of God. And so therefore, I extend that invitation to you by faith. Accept him today. He is the way back to the tree of life. He is the way back to the Father. And so accept him today. If you've not accepted him, I extend that invitation to you. If you're here, I would just ask that you raise your hand if you're online, I would just ask that you give us a call here at the church, 850-862-3899. Someone will answer your call, and we'll gladly lead you to salvation or put you in touch with some things that you need to do to seal the deal when it comes to your eternal salvation because everybody needs to know who Jesus is. And we're just extending that opportunity to you today. Don't let this moment pass by. Don't try to figure it out. If God is speaking to your heart right now, just respond to him speaking. 
just respond to the command that you're hearing. If he's telling you to make that call, I encourage you, make the call. Don't doubt, don't waver, just make the call. And trust God for the outcome. You have nothing to lose by giving your life to the Lord, but everything to gain when it comes to your eternal salvation. And so that's our first appeal. If you're also here and, and you're looking for a church home uh, and uh, you're not a member of Striving for Perfection Ministry, if that is you in the house today, you can raise your hand and say, yes, I, will. I see one hand going up. Amen. 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 If you would, I want you to just gather your things that will be and, and go with our ushers and someone will go to the fellowship hall. Someone's going to get some information from you. So if you would, yes, just go with uh, Brother Tim there. He's coming down the aisle right now. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. 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 If you're online today and the Lord is speaking to your heart and you want to be a part of uh, our striving family, then there's an opportunity for you to do so online. Uh, there's a, a little button you could click and you can get the information to you and get the information back to us that uh, we would need to make sure that we bring you into the, this particular body. And so again, we thank God for uh, each and every one of you in advance. Then my third appeal is for prayer. If you're here and you're at your seat, we just ask that you make your request known to God as we make our petitions and our requests known unto him. And so at this time, if you've got a prayer concern, I just ask that you just raise your hand, just raise your hand. Don't need to know exactly what it is, just raise your hand. I see your hand. There be another, I see your hand. And I believe that as we make our petitions and our requests known to God, God can hear us no matter where we are. If you're at home, I just ask that you lift up your heart and your hand to the Lord and make your petitions known to him today. Whatever it is that you want to cast on him, make that known at this time. And believe that God can hear and answer your prayer. You can be the priest of your household at this time because God sent Jesus to rent the veil of the temple, so therefore you have access to the holies of holies on your own. And so we just thank God for that. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, we come and lay our petitions before you today, God. We come boldly before the altar and the throne of grace. And God, we cast our cares on you. Whatever the hands that were raised, whatever their concerns are, whatever their needs are, God, you already know. So like Jesus, we just lift it up to you right now, God, and believe that as we lift it up to you in prayer, that, God, you're going to hear, you're going to bless, you're going to honor their request because you said in your word that you incline your ear down to hear the cries of your people. You said when the righteous cry out, God, you hear them and you answer their prayer. So right now, God, we believe that we're the righteous and we're crying out, God. We're crying out for various reasons, various concerns, various things that go on in our lives. Some of it may be illness, sicknesses, disease, God, whatever it is, God. It may be some financial issues, whatever those issues are, God, whatever those concerns are, God. We lift them up to you right now, God. We just say thank you in advance for what you're going to do because we realize that we trust you for all things and in all things. And so, God, we do come boldly just like you told us before your throne. And I thank you for each and every person on the sound of my voice, whether they're in here or online. Answer their petitions right now in Jesus' name. Amen.